namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa buddhang dhammang sankhang namasami Today is the uh, 25th February and the day after Magapuja and uh, I'd like to ask permission from the Terras and the community gathered to hear lay people uh, to reflect on Dhamma The occasion is Magapuja and the usual remembrance is on the teachings of Magapuja are the, the verses uh, that Ajahn Dhammasiha uh, started uh, earlier today. And there are three, three verses. And, and the day is the day for celebrating the Sangha. Celebrating the Sangha, celebrating the, those who practice well, those who practice directly, those who practice with clear knowing and those who practice with uh, complete integrity. That's, that's the recollection, the Sangha as a, as a refuge. And bringing it to the sort of human, ordinary level As mentioning Lumpur Cha because I'm incredibly grateful to Lumpur Cha for all that he offered. He is my Upachaya, the one who took responsibility for me joining this, this community. And his um, distinction among the uh, many wonderful and uh, accomplished Hajans in Thailand and the many accomplished bhikkhus uh, bhikkhunis and lay people around the world, the various teachers, his um, particular contribution seems to me about Sangha, about 
finding ways for people to live and work together. This was his particular contribution. Consciously, when he um, established Wat Ba Pong and people started living with him, he in contrast or as a distinguishing feature from the other people that he'd stayed with or that were teaching at that time stressed group activity working together uh, group meetings, morning and evening group workings together in the afternoon uh, a lot of group activity and even to the extent of if you've seen the mindful way or blue eyes and saffron robes both of which you can find on YouTube with the help of YouTube's mother Google the great god Google will show you what's on YouTube and if you put the mindful way and blue eyes and saffron robes you'll notice the group activity and particularly this thing water hauling where the water would be pulled up from the well by a group and then the water would be carried to the various places around the monastery by two people Yeah, one in front and one behind, carrying a pole between, and the water hanging off the pole between them. The practice in Bapong monasteries of wearing your sangati on arms round means that when you come back from arm ground, arms round, you have to fold your sangati, and it's not easy to fold a sangati on your own it's very easy if you have two people <laughs> so you have to work with somebody and learning to do this with 80-90% of your attention on yourself and only 10% on the other person. You know, follows the, the uh, story in the suttas of the, the old acrobat and the young acrobat who used to do a balancing act. The old acrobat would hold up a pole, carry a pole, strong man and the young acrobat would crawl up the, the pole 
and then balance on top of it. And the old man said, I'll look after you and you can look after me. And the young acrobat said, no, 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 no. You look after yourself and I'll look after myself. <laughs> and uh, Yes, they worked together, but the Buddha praised the young acrobat, not the old acrobat. And this is interesting, because you would think working in community, you have to look out for other people, but that story and the way that Lumpo Chan, I believe, taught was no, if you're in a community, you need to look out for here. And then, as many of you know, from about 1982 to 92, when he died, Lumpur Cha was very sick. And five monks looked after him 24 hours a day. Um, the monks, well, sometimes they had to feed him with a tube, you know, putting a tube down his throat and then pouring the food down the chin. Those that did that had to practice on themselves first <laughs> so that they knew what it felt like. Um, the of usually when a when a teacher who's had had many disciples uh, leaves dies or passes on in some way or just goes away or the disciples all go their own way and even at the time of the Buddha there was a bit of that <laughs> so it's not it's not something that's confined and what has happened with the communities associated with Wapapong so far, and it's only 20 years and it will break down eventually, don't worry, <laughs> is that we've managed to, and that, you know, there are two or three hundred branch monasteries, and maybe 15, 16, and associate monasteries, maybe another five or ten that are, have managed to work with some, some degree of acknowledging and supporting each other. And this support of each other will continue to be important. I'm heartened how well the communities seem to look after those that are sick or that need support in some way. You know, we're, com we're coming to the stage when we're getting to community members with big physical problems and dementia and uh, starting to get, you know, even even here you can see for how long did Ajahn Dhamma see her resist getting something to take him up and down the hill <laughs> and now nobody resents the fact that he goes up and down in his, in his buggy 
we need to recognize that we can look after each other. And this is, you know, this is what Sangha, taking refuge, or, you know, it means group, it means, it means group. And I remember uh, Somdet Sangharaj, um, from the old one, from what Buddha Bhatti, who, who one, one was talking about Sangha just meaning group. He said you can have a, a Sangha of, of ducks. <laughs> you know, it's not, in Pali it's not a particularly important word, but the Lord Buddha gave it importance and talked about Arya Sangha as a, as a refuge. And then how to how to realize that refuge, how to hold that as something that you feel is precious, is secure, is something that you can rely upon. And You can't, you know, you can't expect, well, if you do, <laughs> you do demand it, you know, everybody should look after me. <laughs> You're just going to be disappointed. <laughs> and, and if you spend your whole time running around seeing how you could look after everybody else, you're just going to get exhausted. <laughs> so, you have to figure out you know, where are you going to find this Sangha to take refuge in? Where are you going to find the direct practice? Where are you going to find the practice that is... Where are you going to find the good practice, the direct practice? The practice that actually understands and then the practice that is accomplished. Sorry, it's going to have to be here. <laughs> You're going to have to find, find the Sangha here to take refuge in it. You can't expect it outside. And then, you know, if you look after this 80-90% of the time, then so out. I say to people that if they want to judge how they've progressed in their practice because you know we're, we're a bit like kids sometimes we like to stand up against the side of the door and then draw a little line to see how much we've grown this year <laughs> and then check against what we drew last year how, how have I progressed in my practice and you know, the, you know, the progress can really only be measured by your relationship in society. How, how, many, how much more of your life is a blessing to yourself and for others, and how much less is it a curse? 
know, it's the, that's the, that's the measure. How much stress are you making for yourself? And how much stress are you making for others? In your relationships. This is, this is how you can measure your spiritual growth. And that's, it's, that's in society. That's, you know, that's as it is here. And um, I think one of the one of the last lines in these phrases of of Nirvana um, Party Moka to do with lifting up the heart. Is that right? Yeah, that's lifting up the heart, yes? Finding the higher heart, purifying the heart. Yeah? I'm checking because I have, I have friends who know these things. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and th- th- this is, so it's, it's this reflection that, you know, In the last phrase, it's to do with, you know, how you consume things, and then how you how you are where you are. Is that right? Matanyuta chapatasming patancha sayanasana. Yeah. Is that right? That's about right, isn't it? Right measure in meeting. Yes. How you consume things. And. Patancha Sayanasanang is being contented wherever you are, in your, pla- in your place, secluded in your place. Yeah? Sorry, I, I need to check because they'll tell me later if I don't get it right now. <laughs> um, but those, those things, I, you know, reflecting on them, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, Patanya is actually just sort of food, but I think that, you know, one of the things that we, and this is I, I know that some some monks do criticize some of the flights of fancy that um, us westerners take with some of the interpretations of the scriptures so I apologize but it doesn't you know, apologizing before you do something is a bit naff really but <laughs> I will Reflect a little bit, maybe, or offer something that is possibly a stretch, but it's to do with with nourishment. Um, you know, being careful about what you consume, and you know, the 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 one that I didn't say earlier today before you went out for the to help yourselves to the food was. Something that you might do later or some other time is to notice the sense of of me, okay, as you go out to get the food. And then you think, this food is for me. Yeah? So you see the whole line of food and you think, this food is for me. And then you put it on your plate 
and you think, this is my food. <laughs> and if somebody takes it off your plate, they've obviously made a mistake. <laughs> and you might throw the rest of the food at them. <laughs> Unless you decide to. But, you know, because it's, it's mine. I mean, when you've got your, your rice bowl, your plate of rice, you're quite happy. Because you think, this is my rice, but I can give it away. And so you put it in the bowl. Yeah? <laughs> but when it's on your plate, and, you, it's, and you're, you've got your, your spoon or your fork, it's mine. So when does it, okay, when does it become you? And what, you know, what happens if you're sick? What happened to yesterday's food? <laughs> Is it still you? <laughs> Notice that sense of, of, you know, that sense of taking things personally. Yeah? You're, you're receiving some nourishment and you're taking it personally. Yeah? And you, we don't even know that we do this, really. And, and, uh, <laughs> and then we don't know the, the whole effect of it, because I would suggest, suggestion, that, you know, it's what you, when does the food become you? Is it ever you? You know, there's, an, there's something that happens in this funny sort of chemical lab that fits in here, yes? Somewhere around here, there's a sort of chemical lab that starts here and then goes down here. And there's all sorts of heat and chemistry going on and, and different bits of, of mechanical things happening. <laughs> yeah? It's all working in here, isn't it? And it's converting energy. And then that energy is something that you then use in some way, depending on your intentions. Some of intentions are conscious, some of them are unconscious, some of them are whatever. And you convert this into action. And action, intentional action is what? <laughs> yeah, and you know, I am the owner of my kamma, heir to my kamma, born of my kamma, related to my kamma, abide supported by my kamma. Whatever kamma I shall do, for good or for ill, of that I shall be the heir. <sighs> the food only really becomes you, and it's is what you do with it. Yeah. And so you need to be careful about the karma you create. And karma itself is a type of food, isn't it? It's one of the four nourishments, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a strange one, isn't it? You know, you've got the four four nourishments, yeah, the four foods. You've got the stuff you eat. 
Yeah? And that, you know the relationship to that, the, the reflection that you have to do with that is, the good reflection is that if it was your last meal, if you knew the value of generosity, you would give something. If it was the last bit of food that you had, if you knew the value of generosity, you would give something. That's the good description of food. <laughs> so when you get to the front of the queue and you think, all of this food's for me? <laughs> and then I put it on my plate, it's mine. <laughs> and I can eat it. <laughs> and it's delicious. I do say appreciate food because, you know, you're really lucky to have any food because that's, uh, that's a big deal. But it's, it's important to recognize that, you know, this is... You know, for the monks, we have this thing, not for fun, not for pleasure, not for fattening, not for beautification, only for the maintenance and nourishment of this body, for keeping it healthy, for helping with the holy life, thinking thus I will allay hunger without overeating so that I may continue to live blamelessly and at ease. <laughs> so, that's how we're supposed to reflect on how we consume food, because we don't have kids. <laughs> so, but uh, it's... Uh, but it's useful to know how, how you can consume. It's, it's just, it's, these are just reflections about food. And that's just the physical food. You know, the, other, the next food is the, is the sense impressions. Yeah, sense impressions, you know, the description of that. They're likened to, uh, hey, you do, have, you do have cattle in this country, don't you? Yeah? And you have flies? Do you have flies? <laughs> Oh, some parts of Aussie, you have core cats and flies. So, um, if you can imagine a cow without, or you know, a cow or a bull, we're not being sexist here, without its skin, how would it feel about the flies? Pretty irritated. Pretty irritated. And that's what sense impression is likened to as food. Yeah? So all, you know, at our eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and body, we receive sense impressions. And any sense impression is an irritation, because otherwise it wouldn't register. Yeah? So that's, so careful about what you eat. So careful, about, careful about your senses. Protect your senses. You know, because they're burning, burning with the fire of greed, burning with the fire of hatred, burning with the fire of delusion. This is um, the third sermon, and the third sermon, as you probably know, the Buddha really nailed it on the third sermon. The first sermon, he got the ball rolling, and, you know, that was the basis of all his later teaching. The second sermon was like, don't, you know, question, question what you take personally, and don't take it personally. The third sermon, and that five, five beings were enlightened and there were six arahants in the world. The third sermon was very cost-effective. You know, there were a thousand matted-haired ascetics who were worshipping fire, and he gave the fire sermon. And all were enlightened at the end of it. Well, that's pretty good. And that was about the eye is burning, the nose is burning, the tongue is burning. The ear is burning, the body, the, the uh, body is, the, is burning, the mind is burning, burning with the fire of greed, burning with the fire of hatred, burning with the fire of delusion. When this is understood, it gets cool. So, then that, so in terms of 
that as food, understanding that, seeing that, seeing how you relate to food. And the third, the third, the third food is, is, is actually karma. Karma itself. That's the, the good karma and the bad karma. And they're, they're likened to, I think, to, to people grabbing you, some two strong people grabbing you and pulling you towards a fire pit. So karma itself is food, and it's likened to that. So careful about the good and bad karma you make, because you know, there actually is a third type of karma, which is what the Buddha was really good with. There's karma that leads to the end of karma, uh, and that karma is that any practice of the Eightfold Path, that's the way out. If you really want to know what to do with your life, I don't know what to do, Ajahn. Please tell me what to do with my my job, my mother, my father, my son, my friend. I want to know what to do, Ajahn. Practice the Eightfold Path. It's, it's, it, that's, it's always that. Because that's karma that leads to the end of karma. Practice, practice, practice. Not, you need to know how to work out the Eightfold Path, but the basic, basic thing is relate to practice it. And then the, 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 the fourth food is this strange thing, consciousness. That's, is that right? Yeah, got it right? Yeah. The fourth food is consciousness. And that's, that's likened to being stabbed a thousand times with a spear in the morning, the middle of the day and in the evening. <laughs> hard work, huh? Hard yucca, huh? It's, it's, it's not easy, this consciousness. And now, careful about, particularly, you know, what I'm, careful what you give attention to. Careful what you give attention to because that's where and that's where it goes. Careful what you notice. Yeah? You know? And the thing to really notice, really, really notice, is what's going on here. 80, 90% of the time, what's going on here? How am I receiving life? And what am I giving out? How am I responding? No, no, you know, I'm pointing to this thing here, but know the sort of context in which life is being received and how it's being responded to. Really notice that. 80-90% of the time, notice what you're doing in your world because you are the most important being in your world. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're the one that most deserves your metta. Not your kids. Sorry. <laughs> Not your mother. It's 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 this one that deserves the most complete acceptance. Never dwelling in aversion. How much of the time do we dwell with a sense of oh, moan, 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 moan about how we are? 
criticize, criticize, criticize. Behind all of that, you wish yourself well. Get in touch with the sense that you wish yourself well. And that, you know, we'll then figure out what's the best thing that this thing can do here and now. You know? How do you how do you find a solitary dwelling place? You know, the, yes, by all means, you know, look at what your social media is like. <laughs> but, but don't get too fast on that. But look at look at this present moment, the ideal solitude. Yeah? Where you don't go forward, you don't go backwards, you don't stand still. Now the idea of, of is that one of the ways that the, the description of, of the good practicer is, the, 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 the sotapanna, you know, the, how difficult it is. It's one of the ways it's described as defeating a thousand people in hand-to-hand -hand combat. <laughs> and in those days, hand-to-hand -hand combat would be spears <laughs> and swords and stuff. And so it's, it's like morning, noon and night <laughs> defeat the, you know, the, 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 the thousand spears that are coming towards you. It's not easy. I never was saying it was easy, but it is practice. And one of the ways that I, you know, I, I do talk about it, and again, this will probably be criticised, is the sense of I am somebody. This basic belief, you know, that we carry around, I am somebody, and then we take it personally. This is for me. Yeah? And then this is mine. So I am somebody. At the same time as that happens, at exactly the same time, or another way of getting to that thing, is it's the sense of, I need to do something. <laughs> yeah, Because I am somebody, I need to do something. Tell me the ritual that will save my life. If I light the incense in the right order, if I do the right chant, if I learn the right sutta, if I behave in the right way, if I find the right meditation cushion, if I find the right teacher, if I find the right practice to do, I will find, I will realize enlightenment <laughs> if I find the right no and then of course comes with that exactly the same time is I'm not sure I can do it I don't know if it's the right thing <laughs> maybe it's the wrong thing <laughs> maybe I'm doing it all wrong maybe it's impossible for me to do anyway <laughs> you know this is what are those things? It's clinging to rites and rituals and doubt. And those are the first three fetters. 
so Ajahn Vajira is going to tell me what to do. <laughs> and of course, well, that's the same thing, isn't it? I am somebody, Ajahn Vajira is going to tell me, and then I'm not sure if it's the right thing, because maybe Ajahn Vajira doesn't really know. <laughs> and, and, well, even if he does tell me, I may not be able to do it anyway. <laughs> so, you know, he goes round and round and round. And this is all to do with this incredible business that we chatter away the whole time, this thinking. Thinking, 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 thinking. And then we do it the other way, of course, is you're somebody, you need to do something. And I'm not sure whether you're going to do it. Yeah? <laughs> or if you're going to do the right, you know, if it, or if it's the right thing. So we can say that about politicians, we can say that about our bosses, we can say that about our family members, we can say that about everything. When we think like that, what do we do? We get tangled up, we make fetters. We tie ourselves. So what is good practice? Practice the Eightfold Path. <laughs> Sorry. It gets boring, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's that same thing. Practice the Eightfold Path. No, and that, that is knowing how, what's happening right now, inside, how you're receiving this, and what your response is. And not taking it personally. Now you, you want, now I want some techniques. Ajahn Wajiro, give me some techniques. One of the ways that one of the ways that you know people point to this and suggestions are know the knowing. And this is one, like, like knowing what one, how one receives things and how one, re how one responds to things. That's knowing the knowing. That's staying with the sense of, and it's it's not, it's not abiding. Really, it's not making a problem about anything. It's not holding on to anything. It's like, this is how it's this is being received, and this is a response. There's this, this, this is. One of the ways that other, other people talk about it is Buddha, living with the Buddha. You know, if you want to you know, live with the Supreme Teacher, live with the Buddha. Don't live with Ajahn Wajiro, live, <laughs> live with the Buddha. Live with the sense of, of Buddha, live with the knowing. And then, you know, the other ways, one of the ways that I talk about is rather than trying to stop thinking, notice what is not thinking. Give attention to what is not thinking. Because again, consciousness is being stabbed. You know, if you want to know, so what are you conscious of? To turn the consciousness back on itself by knowing what is not thinking and know the knowing. So one of the things is noticing, you know, one of the ways of noticing what's not is noticing the space or noticing the silence. You can't think about not thinking. <laughs> Sorry, well you can, but it just goes round and round. You know, and you know, the, the, one of the the ways that Ajahn Sumedho stresses is not taking this so personally. It's just processes. These are processes. It's not. 
not taking the whole business of the story of what this personality is personally. It's a conditioned thing, it's been conditioned. It's your whole social conditioning. And it's just conditions, and conditions arise and cease. You know, it's not that you have to get rid of your personality. I can't get rid of my personality, because that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's learning to not... <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's just not... You know, notice the sense of ease that comes when you do smile at yourself. Yeah? When you see how stupid things are. You know, I, I found that really helpful when I was in incredible pain. I, you know, I, was, I had a herniated disc, um, sequestered disc hernia, which is when the disc actually breaks. And I, I woke up in the middle of the night within having to crawl on my, with my elbows actually to the, to the, to the loo. To, to vomit because I was so sick and uh, so, so much pain then but I can remember at that moment something just going this is ridiculous <laughs> and, and laughing at it because it was so painful um, and I really liked cocodamol after that <laughs> which is uh, it's a really good painkiller <laughs> it's um, it's um, it, but that sense of, you know, not taking the whole sort of stress of life so personally. Notice when you smile at life. Notice when there's, a, there's ease. Notice the sense of, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to make a big fuss about this. This is not, you know. And then practice the Eightfold Path. And that's hard work. Sorry, it's hard work. It's more difficult than defeating a thousand people in hand-to-hand -hand combat. But <laughs> do practice it. And remember that when you say Namo Dasa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa, appreciate that that is an expression of confidence that there is a way to learn this. There is something that we can do. When you say buddhang saranagachami, allow that to be something that's really precious for you and really a refuge. When you say dhammang saranagachami, allow that to be something, this is a refuge. The way things are right now, this is the ideal solitude, this present moment. I will take refuge in right here, right now, because this is the Dhamma. Without any forward, when I think of the past, that's a thought in the present. When I speculate about the future, that's a thought in the present. What's not thinking? Know the Dhamma ideally here and now. Notice. And then Sankhang Saranagachami in the relating to people and relating to yourself what is the beautiful way what is the way that is one that is always in accordance with Dhamma 
always inviting, always encouraging, always leading to a sense of peace, not making a conflict with anybody. You know, the Buddha didn't conflict with anybody. He didn't make a problem over the fact that Ajatasattu wiped out his his clan. He didn't make a problem about the assembly being empty, even because his two chief disciples had died. He didn't make a problem about it. The assembly seems empty now that my two chief disciples are not here. But isn't it wonderful? There's no grief in the heart of the Tathagata. Not making a problem about things. Still continuing to do what he could to relieve suffering now and in the future. You know, we live with that legacy. And the gratitude and the way to express that gratitude, people like to say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, you know the way to express the gratitude to your teachers. You know your way to express your gratitude towards the Lord Buddha. Practice in accordance with the teaching. <laughs> the rest of the gratitude is not... <laughs> no, it's okay, but... <laughs> The real gratitude will be when you practice in accordance with the, with the gratitude, the, what the Buddha taught, because we are incredibly fortunate, incredibly fortunate that the Lord Buddha did teach, incredibly fortunate that people did support the Buddha at that time, Kim Visara and um, Anatta Pindika, Visaka. That's why many of you are called Risaka, Malika, all these, all these people that supported the Buddha at the time of the Buddha, all the people that have followed and, uh, the teaching and actually taught since, all the people that have supported uh, all through the 2,567 years since the Parinibbana, all the people who have supported Bhabhanana Chat, all the people who have supported... What's in? Dhammagiri? Since the time of its starting, um, you know, and all the people have, you know, the, the way to say thank you is to practice. Practice the Eightfold Path. So, um, I hope that that helps a little bit. It's not too confusing, and if it is confusing or difficult, just leave it behind. You know, you don't need to believe a word that I've said. <laughs> just, you know, enjoy your lives and... Um, I wish you the best.